You're listening to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Some material may be disturbing and we use adult language. Listener discretion is advised. If you love the show, be sure to hit subscribe so that you never miss new episodes. And if you want to support the show, please visit www.patreon.com slash killerqueenspod, where as little as $3 a month gets you early access to shows and amazing additional content. Now on to today's case. Welcome back. We're back. We're back. A boy band story. (laughs) Okay, where were we? Yeah, picking right back up where we left off. The boy bands are free Mm -hmm. of Lou. No strings attached. No strings attached. Lance talks about how the album No Strings Attached came about. They played some of the video and some live performances of the song and I was in love with it. And I was also the, you know, that little mind blown emoji. That was oh, me yeah. watching that. Cause I was like, Oh, that's why the no strings attached. Yeah. Thing. I didn't know anything about the lawsuit or anything, but we didn't have like social media to keep us up with the news immediately. You know, it wasn't like you hear everything that goes on. And also I was like, I don't know what, 12 or 13. I didn't watch the news. I hate that fucking show. So I was like, (laughs) I don't know anything about any of this. So I just thought it was about like this controlling girlfriend who Justin needed to get away from. Well, but I mean, I've just been like singing the shit out of No Strings Attached for a greater part of the last 12 minutes. And the song itself is like... It's about a girl, you know, like, take it from me. Yeah. I will give you love. Like, it's just, you know, they they do say even the good guys get burned, which they ain't lying. Yeah. And the video even is like the marionettes and all that. So it was, uh, I was today years old when I figured (laughs) that one out. I was like, what? I had no idea. So now that NSYNC and Backstreet Boys have cut ties, Lou has to develop another band. Yes, he does. And here's where he starts getting desperate. So he creates Innocence. I was like, who the fuck is that? I tried to listen to some of their music and like, I don't know any of it. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't remember that at all. The woman was really pretty from Innocence. She really was. Yeah. She seemed like a nice lady. I just have never heard of her. And so that was his first girl group. And then he did C-Note, who was (laughs) his like Latin group. And we really tried to get into them, but... It just wasn't working. I mean, we couldn't. They're just not very good. And then, uh, of course, little baby Aaron Carter. Oh, but he also did LFO. Yeah, he did, which I loved. So Aaron Carter said that he sold 5 million records before he was 10 years old with Lou. That is so weird. I think the most accomplishment I had when I was, by the time I was 10 years old, was like not peeing in my pants overnight. And that even took a while. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying like. But that was like an interesting time in music where like Lil Bow Wow Little Romeo. Yeah, you could be like a really little kid and people would actually listen to you. Like grown up people would listen to you. So crazy to me. Yeah, Aaron's house party or whatever. Yeah, come get it. (laughs) So, yes, he also created LFO. Summer Girls was my jam. Oh, yeah. I have tried to do that song karaoke so many times when I was drunk, but the line was always long. And by the time it came around to me, I had already like... Passed out. Yeah, I was done. (laughs) I never actually made it on stage to do that one, but I have tried. No. 
They had some good hits, too, like some other stuff, you know? Yeah, they weren't just summer girls. Yeah. So now we're at the year 2000, and he's still trying to make boy bands happen, but... Stop trying to make boy bands happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah, it's never going to happen. So Johnny was like, this was the time when, like, boy bands were kind of over. People were like, been there, done that. It's We're past that now. And Lou's like, I got a new boy band for you. I got a new boy band for you. And he was just, like, really trying to hold on to that. But musically, people were getting into more mature type music. Yes. I guess. Sure. Lou was stuck in the past. He needed more than just one band to keep up the appearance that he had in his mind. So... You know, for him, he was like this big mogul or whatever, and he couldn't keep that that up with just one band because especially now that all of these people had found out about what he was doing, he couldn't, he needed more. So it was almost like he needed to be a distributor for multiple bands. So that's why he started picking up like a lot of them. And um, the guy from C-Note says... He ruined like six record deals for them because I guess he wanted to keep everything in house or I don't really know. But I was like, well, are we sure we can blame it on someone else? I don't know. Hmm. Moving on. Lou has the idea to do the show Making the Band. It combines reality TV, which was just getting started then. Mm -hmm. So like, what, Laguna Beach? God, I love that shit was coming out then. Loved it. And boy bands, which was over pretty much, but instead of it just being like boy bands that girls could become obsessed with and buy their music and everything, these were almost like characters on a show that they could become obsessed with. They're still going to be obsessed. It's just a different presentation. Right. And they would get really upset if like their favorite boy band or their favorite boy in the band would be kicked off or yeah, whatever. didn't make like, the final cut. Yeah. It's like an interactive type of, you can get emotionally invested yeah exactly so i mean he did have some good ideas i mean that's a pretty good idea yeah i feel kind of silly though i thought it was i thought p diddy was the one who did making the band oh god i think i did too oh he did danity kane danity kane yes yes show stopping show show stopping one eternity later Oh, P. Diddy. Okay, he. so they both did. Lou Pearlman was the executive producer, and P. Diddy was the person who decided who made the band. Hmm. Like, who the final cut was. Okay. But he wasn't in the one with O-Town. Gotcha. Okay. The kids in making the band, and they were kids then, pretty much, mm-hmm. knew that Lou has been sued by all the bands he's ever worked with. Yeah. Everybody's calling him crooked, but they were like, we just wanted to be famous. Yeah, we'll do anything. So, I don't know. Maybe they thought, like, it won't happen to us, or maybe now that he's been found out, he won't do it again. Or maybe they just really didn't care. Yeah. I mean, Lou's not going to be stopped. So, Ashley Parker Angel says that as a young performer who hasn't had any success yet, you have no power. To him, Lou has all the power. He's like, I'm just trying to get my foot in the door, and I've got to do it any way I can. So, even if it's with somebody who everybody says is sleazy and is going to take advantage of me... I got to do what I got to do. So they signed the contract and he said that they sold 10 million records 
And he could have made more money working full time at Starbucks. Wow. I was like, golly. But he knew. He knew. Yeah, he knew. Then he said that Mike Cronin, who was the brother of Rich Cronin from LFO, he was their manager, O-Town's manager. He also worked for TCA, and he said that there was a rumor going around about Lou. He may have a thing for boys. He said, it's unconfirmed. We don't know. And Ashley said that he would come into rehearsal and say, boys, let's see your abs and, you know, to pop those shirts off. Let's check it out or yeah, whatever. Got to be in shape. Got to stay, got to stay tight. Yeah. He's like, you got to, you got to sell teen magazines. So you got to have, you know, really good abs. Let me check out your abs. I got to make sure your abs are all up to par basically. Um, so I guess he's like an ab man. Yeah. Um, I am too. <laughs> and he said, he thought, well, maybe this is just how like the band mentor thing works. Like he's trying to keep us healthy. He wants to make sure we're I just feel so bad for all of these people because they're all like so benefit of the dowdy, you know, where they're like, well, I mean, but maybe, maybe he just wants to, you know, yeah, he's just looking out your, for me. Yeah, like, there's making a reason sure here. I get my, my centerfold next <laughs> month in J14 right, right. or whatever. It reminded me of. And I'm also now painfully aware of how much everything reminds me of Friends, but it reminds me of the episode where Chandler goes to get his pants done oh. <laughs> by Joey's tailor. That's and how they do yeah. it there. He's like, that's how they do pants. And Chandler's like, Ross, is that how they do pants with the cupping and the moving over? And Ross is like, yes, yes, it is. (laughs) In prison. And Joey's like, I had no idea. But he, it's the only way he knew how to get his pants tailored. So that's what he thought was normal. And then he calls his parents and he's like, yeah, apparently that's not the way they do pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like none of the Tribbianis knew. So Lance says he was very touchy-feely, that he would give them massages all the time. And Lance was like, you know, I was I was in the closet still, so I just assumed he was gay. Yeah, I was just a closeted man. Yeah, he was like, that's just what I thought was going on. And he was like, you know, he would kind of take the massages going a little too long and he was like, you know, I kind of was like, eh, I know what you're doing here. It seems like you're trying to get somewhere with this. But and like Lou would also tell them that he minored in physical therapy. So he knew what to do to like help them, you know, after long days of dancing their little heinies off or, you know. Yeah. And he said he could give your muscles a pump without you even working out. So he was telling Ashley, which I mean, if you're going to go after Ashley... It's just a smart decision. Yeah. But missed opportunity if he didn't. I could see his abs through his shirt in this interview. I'm sure you could see his abs through a friggin' blazer. Yeah. Or a or a coat. Yeah. Or like a, I don't know. A blimp. <gasps> so he was like, you know, and he would always play to your... Interests? Well, yeah, desire to to grow and be famous, like he would say, you know, you're the Justin Timberlake, you're the Nick Carter, you got to sell magazines that got to keep you in shape. You know, you're the one that's going to be the one that everybody wants to go after. You're going to be the famous one out of this or whatever. So well, Ashley was. Yeah. So, um, he would tell him, you know, that he minored in physical therapy and he could give his muscles that big pump and he didn't even have to work out, but he needed to like get everywhere, you know, if that actually worked. I'd let him do it. Oh, sure. Yeah. I don't want to work out. And um, 
Ashley said that Lou had asked him to go back to his room and was telling him he could do this massage, which he felt like he shouldn't go, but he went. Yeah. And then it started getting really uncomfortable for him. And then he ended up leaving when Lou's phone rang and he was just like, bye, and got out of there. And he said that that was like the only time that he ever had an interaction with Lou. That was really uncomfortable. and Yeah, that was that way. Now we get to Aaron Carter. Poor, poor Aaron Carter. Man. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah. I mean, he's lost it. He said that he said that Lou taught him how to do push-ups, how to do diamond push-ups, so he could work on his chest. And he's like, and that makes him a pedophile? And he goes, shut up about that, guys. It's like this really weird pause in between i don't know it was really weird goes from like talking to someone it seems like to looking directly in a different angled camera where he's just like you know really speaking to the audience he got yeah he got really 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 angry and he's just like i gotta i gotta take a break i gotta take it like he's he's losing it he's getting pissed um and then Ashley Parker Angel talks about Rich Cronin from LFO. So he has since passed away. But he went on the Howard Stern show and I I cannot believe this and talked about how Lou had told him that if they were going to get famous, he was going to have to do some things, basically like take one for the team because there was this guy in Germany who was like the media in Germany and he could make things happen for them, but he had to just do one teeny little thing first. He goes, all he wants to do is touch a penis. Oh. And I don't know what happens after that. Just pretty much touch a penis and, you know, play with it. I was like, oh, what the fuck? I gotta get out of here. Because I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna help you do it. So when you go there, you're not even gonna have any problems with it. And guess what else? In college, I was a psychology minor. I'm gonna help you get through it mentally. So in all Rich Cronin's Boston accent glory, <laughs> he tells that story. And he also said that, like, you know, Lou said he would help him get through it mentally, but he also said that Rich was going to have to practice it. And he could practice it on Lou. Like, Lou would allow him to do that just so that when he got over to Germany... He would get it right. Yeah, that he wouldn't freak out. He's like, because you never know what's going to happen. Like, you could walk in there, you could try to punch this guy in the face. Like, you don't, you don't want to blow this for your bandmates, you know? So, and he said that the Backstreet Boys had to do the same thing, but they had somebody go down there and do it for them, basically. None of them had to do it. Somebody else did it. But for whatever reason, this guy liked Rich specifically. And so Rich was going to have to be the one. But he had to practice first. So weird. I mean, practice makes perfect. It's true. So, yeah. And he's not, I mean, these are all of age guys. It's just... A lot of weird, weird shit to ask. A lot of sexual advance kind of things. and Yeah, I mean, that's, that's sexual harassment. Exactly. So Nikki Deloach from Innocence said that Lou had this tanning bed in his house. 
and he would, you know, let everybody tan there or whatever. And she's like, of course you get naked to get in and out of the tanning bed. And what she did not realize until much later is that there was a camera in that room. And so he would record everybody getting naked in and out of the tanning bed. And then he would take that video and show it to all the boy band guys. And I guess that was him trying to be like cool or like, ooh, Lou's showing us boobs or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, that's weird. And the way that she said that felt pretty darn violating. I was like, you're precious. <laughs> that's really sweet. That's definitely not the words. I would have used, I would right. have been a trash bag about it, but... Well, that's, it is who we are. Exactly. But then Aaron Carter... Oh my God. He just, you can't, there's no escaping him throughout the entire thing, and he just gets more and more, like, unsettling. I don't know. It's really, he's very strange. I feel really bad for the people who interviewed him, because that, that had to have been really uncomfortable. He Yeah, he's getting more and more volatile. Yes. It's really weird. And he's like, yeah, well, where's that footage? Why didn't she sue him? Oh, that's right. Because she's making it up. It's all lies. He was like, my mom was tanning in that tanning bed. I was tanning in that tanning bed. And you you, you actually think that I'm going to believe there was a camera in there? Come on. Like, yeah, he's like, I tanned in that tanning bed. And I'm like, yeah. And your dick is somewhere on video in Lou Pearlman's house. Like, what do you think? He, he wasn't interested in the women. He was interested in the men, mm-hmm. but he used the videos of the women to impress these other guys, like to make them think. And he probably wanted them to think that he was straight so that they didn't feel uncomfortable by all of these other advances that he's trying to make yeah. or whatever. But I don't know. And there's nothing wrong being gay. Just be gay and get a boyfriend. Like he totally could have had a a relationship with somebody totally it would have been fine like you don't have to pressure young people into having sex with you right and making them believe that that's the only way that they can get famous yeah under the guise that you're helping their careers or whatever and the jim reyes i guess that's how you say his name from tca he was a publicist there i guess he said that lou had cameras all over his house and the control room was in lou's bedroom So he was like, I stayed there overnight before, and he said it was creepy how many cameras there were And the control room to be in his bedroom so he could see what was going on at all times. Exactly. And uh, I guess not many people knew it was there, but he said all the guys are over 18, so there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's just, you know, you can't get arrested for being weird. Like, too bad. Yeah. So... Nikki from Innocent said that she refused to sign the sixth man agreement with Lou because within that agreement was also a confidentiality agreement. And she was like, well, I'm not signing that. And she said she went up to him at his desk and said, I'm going to tell everybody what you've done to me because at this point she already knew about the tanning bed situation, all that stuff. And she said that he kind of gave her some veiled threats that he was like, well, just remember, I have insurance taken out on you. She's like, why do you have insurance taken out on me? And he's like, well, if you're flying or traveling, you know, things like that, I just have to have insurance on you. It, just in case something happened. Like, why would anything happen, Lou? Where exactly. Does that come from? So she said, do I think that he was planning to do something or would he have done something to me? Was he capable of it? I don't know. But it sure felt that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, he definitely had the implications. I was going to say the implications. 
Your face. We're so the same person. By 2003, Lou had expanded Transcontinental to over 100 businesses and had acquired the Internet Business Options Talent, which was already under investigation for fraudulent activities in the state of Florida. So that's probably like not a good idea if you yourself are committing many, many, many frauds, different types of fraud, (laughs) and you are yourself conducting fraudulent activities within your business, then you buy a business that's already under investigation. The rest of your businesses are going to be investigated. People are going to take a look. But he thought he was above all that because of Mm -hmm. his money. So then we meet Jacqueline Dowd, the former Florida assistant attorney general who was investigating options talent for scamming people. So what they would do is they'd set up shop at the mall. They'd find girls that they thought were pretty or whatever, and they would say, oh, you should be a model. Here, we're going to take you over here and do a photo shoot for you so you can use for headshots. We are a talent agency. We'll help you get jobs and all that stuff. They would charge them these exorbitant amounts of money for these photo shoots. And they're supposed to be like amazing photo shoots with the top of the line photographers. And, and then they were supposed to submit it to people and all this stuff. And then these people would never see anything. I don't even think they ever saw the pictures. Nothing. Mm-mm. So, and they were paying thousands of dollars. Actually, I don't know how much money. But they, they were, were paying thousands of people of affected. Yes. For sure. So many, that's what many they monies. were. Yeah, that's what they were doing. And she ended up touring the offices. So Lou was like, come see our offices. Everything's great here. And she said it was so weird because when she was walking through, you know, she's like, there's like eight of us walking through and nobody looked up once. They're all looking down. They're super busy, like calls after calls after calls. And she said it's like, it's like they didn't notice anybody was there. And she was like, if people come into my office... I'm like, we're all what are like, you doing here? Hey, who's that? And, you know, asking each other, who's that? You look up, you say hi or something. She's like, none of them looked up, and I thought it looked staged. And then she said later she found out it was staged. It was just people pretending to work so mm-hmm. that it looked like a business. And then Lou was like, so we're good here, right? I mean, you came toward it, so we're all good. And yeah, you she's see, we like, have an office. Yeah, she's like, um, no, we still have some questions. We, there's still some things that are suspicious, so we're not done here yet. Yeah, and the attorney general was Charlie Crist then, and he and Lou were pretty good friends. And Lou would donate a lot of money to his campaign. And Charlie asked Jacqueline in his office and said, okay, well, you know, you've done your investigation. Looks like everything's on the up and up. I'm going to go ahead and close this out. And she's like, no, I've still got some questions. Some stuff seemed really suspicious. I think we need to take a further look into it. I've got a bunch of follow-up things I need to work on. And he fired her. He let her go, said her services were no longer needed. And she was like, I could not figure out, like, he is the attorney general. Why would he want nothing to do with with a scam that was involving thousands of people? We're getting thousands of complaints about it. That's what the attorney general is for. Mm-hmm. So why does he not give a shit about this? And it turned out it was because Lou had basically paid him off. And that man is now a congressman. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. I guess that gets you in good places sometimes. All the business. So, and he declined to be interviewed for the documentary, of course. Yes. So then we meet more Transcon investors who took their nest eggs and planned their entire lives around this money. So the, I didn't write down their names and I should have. The little, sweet little old lady who her husband fought in World War II. And then there was the couple... 
that put all of their money. It was her mom left the money when she passed away. They were really sweet together talking to each other. They were, and they were dancing. And then the daughter of, like, her parents had put all their money into it as well. And so they were saying, like, okay, so we've invested this money. Initially, when we met with Lou, um, and then the one guy, his last name was Hines, I think. He, you know, he's like, I meet with him. He's very accessible. I can ask him any questions I want to. Anytime I need to get him on the phone, I can get him on the phone. You know, he seems very open. He seems very honest. And then we give them the money and then we're not getting anything. We should be getting statements. We should be getting, you know, paperwork documents from this account, like from the bank, showing how much we've got in there, how much interest we've earned, because this is supposed to be building interest for them. And we, like one of them said, we never got the checks. So I guess this was an account that they, he could have written checks out of. He never got the checks. He kept calling and calling and calling. And they'd say, oh, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. And so the daughter was like, fuck it. I'm going to drive over there because I can't get him on the phone. Nobody will answer. Nobody will put me through to him. So she actually physically showed up and they said, oh, you know what? All those documents are in the vault. And only Lou can get them. Only Lou can open the vault and he's not here. And so she's like, this is, this is crazy. Like there's something going on here. I want to get my money out. So these people start asking to get their money back and he's, he won't give it to them. He's, he, well, he's just MIA basically. So it's not even that he's telling them, no, you can't have it back. He's just not there. There's just nothing. So Cheney Mason is also having a problem with him because he never paid them and what he ended up doing was getting a different lawyer to collect the money that Backstreet Boys owed them so I don't know if they had a deal where once he got the money from Backstreet Boys they would take his payment out of that or something like that but he ended up giving it to somebody else and somehow scammed Cheney Mason I don't know how he didn't have to pay this other guy I didn't really understand this part exactly because they didn't go into detail they just said he got another lawyer to collect the money and, and cheated us and I was like, oh, it's so sad for you, yeah. Cheney Mason. Fuck you. So Trying to BS a BSer. <laughs> yeah. So Cheney Mason called the FBI, though, and was like, excuse me. Because <laughs> what he noticed was during the lawsuit, he knew that, that um, Lou Perlman was making hand over fist. He knew he was bringing in a bunch of money. But in the lawsuits, he was claiming, like, very little income. And so Cheney Mason knew that there was fraud there. So he reported him to the FBI and the FBI starts looking into it and they noticed that he had taken out tons of loans all over with many, many different banks, but he was reporting little to no income. Mm -hmm. So what the FBI agent said was like, if you can get the bank to loan you that much money, you're really good at committing fraud because the banks go through a lot of due diligence to make sure that you can pay that money back. And if he's, you know, on one piece of paper, he makes no money. On another piece of paper, he makes a shit ton of money. On one piece of paper, he has no businesses. On another piece of paper, he has all these businesses. Like, there's discrepancies all over the place. So during the investigation of the bank fraud, the FBI learned about that investment program that Lou had started. So as they're searching his business and his home, they found tons of documents. So Lou fled he got out of there. He knew the writing was on the wall, they said, so he left. And he he emptied his safe in his home, but basically, like, all of the 
desks had tons of documents in them. He didn't clean everything out. So there's paper trails of all of these victims of his investment fraud. Mm -hmm. So they have all of this information. And the U.S. Attorney General said that they looked at that they were looking at fraud in amounts exceeding $100 million. So so much money. Oh, my gosh. It's so much money. And it actually ends up being way more than that once right. they put both of it together. But, I mean, they didn't realize. They, they thought they were at first just looking at some bank fraud. And then they realized, like, all these other operations that he had. And he was defrauding everybody he came in contact with. Everything that he did was to get money out of somebody in an illegal or unethical way. It's just, it's horrible. And to do that to people who spent their whole lives building up a nest egg so that they could leave money for their kids or so that they could retire and then you do that to them, like, it's horrible. So, and they also said that his, you know, because they're looking into his businesses and they see that basically he's created all these shell companies and they're not real companies. So like Transcontinental Airlines Airlines is the only airline that does not own a plane. There are no planes. <laughs> the, he would charter or they would fly like Delta or American Airlines. Yeah, or, the guy who worked for Transcon was like, every time we booked travel, I always thought it was weird that it wasn't like, okay, let's just go out back and hop on a plane. He's like, don't we have planes? Like, yeah, isn't that where's our, our planes? Our Why are we not flying on our planes why are we booking through southwest so it's definitely but nobody asked any questions they were just like well i guess that's just yeah. how it is that's weird anyway yeah i don't know enough about it to dispute it i don't know i probably wouldn't either i'd be like i work for an airline and i've never seen the plane <laughs> i'm so lucky to have this job <laughs> like i don't know so um <laughs> the only transcon airplane that there was so Alan, sweet baby Alan, had Ugh. built a, an airplane model, and he branded it with Transcontinental on it, but it's a model. Mm -hmm. So what Lou did, I mean, they showed the picture. It's, I mean, he's fucking... He's a, a, an evil genius. Evil genius, yeah, pretty much. So he goes to the airport, and he holds the plane up. But in such a way to where you can't see... Like he's holding it by the very tip of it or the very Yeah, so that you can't see the part it, yeah. that shows that it's a model. So it looks like almost the the picture is cut off right before the tail of the airplane. So that's where he's holding it. But he's holding it in front of stuff. I don't understand. Like everything looks the right size. It doesn't look like everything's off in size. So he must have been, obviously he was really super far away from some stuff and like had the plane right in front to make oh, it all yeah. look the same size. But um, he, he took that picture and he would bring it around and show it to people and say, look, here's the airplane transcontinental. And people believed him. They thought he really had an airplane and it was just a picture of an airplane model. And, and Alan felt terrible about that. He was like, I can't believe that he used something I think, that I built. Yeah. I think Alan felt a lot of guilt with all this. I think he felt like a lot of it was his fault, even though there's no way he could have known what yeah. he was doing. And also... The, when he took the picture of that airplane model, it wasn't the days of a cell phone camera, a digital camera. He would have had to take the picture, hope that it turned out okay, go get it developed, and then see what it looked like. Right. I mean, that's dedication. It's a lot of dedication. Yeah. 
just for like imagine if he had put that much dedication into doing something good yeah exactly i mean he could have totally channeled his genius for a good cause yeah exactly just go the right way with it and you could have been amazing you could have made a lot of really positive changes in people's lives but mm-hmm. and he and still would have really made a ton of money businesses yeah, yeah exactly it's just ridiculous so in essence what we have is a ponzi scheme which i didn't know what it was didn't really that. get those no. yeah so using the money from later investors to pay the earlier investors off because there's actually nothing to invest in so you're basically saying like these people have invested. Now it comes time to pay them. So you're continually having to go and get more people, more people, more people because there's no actual product or return on your investment. It's just smoke and mirrors because he's getting more money and he's funneling that from all of these newer people. So as time goes on, these older people begin to realize that they're not getting their money back when he starts running out of people to con. Right. Because people start wising up to his game. So that's when everything kind of starts to fall apart. So Transcontinental Airlines was a totally fictitious company. All in all, there were about 2,100 people who were invested in his companies. So between the bank fraud and the investment fraud, he'd stolen about a half a billion dollars. That's insane. Yeah. And the big company or like the banks got their money back. But most of the people who who spent their whole life's earnings and savings investing in this never got their money back. I mean, the the one couple was like, you know, I remember the day that they called and said it's all gone. And I, I, I just, I cried watching it. I just felt so sorry for those people because like it sucks what he did to like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and all these people, but they're fine. You know, yeah. it's like whatever. But you... These people that that invested in this, there's nobody fixing it for them, and they are in the later part of their lives where they, yeah, can't, they can't just make start all that money over. back, yeah. right? And yeah, and these you know, Insync and Backstreet Boys were like in their early twenties, and they were super famous by that point. So now they've got a following. Like these people don't have that advantage. I just I feel so sorry for them. Yes. There was an international manhunt for Lou Pearlman. Um, They had a lot of sightings of him. People would say, I saw him here, I saw him there. Like, I think I know where he is. And, or I think maybe he's gone here and all these things. But they eventually found him in Bali in 2007 and they arrested him. So he was staying at a hotel and he was eating breakfast. And somebody had called in the tip, like sent an email and said, he is, I think I saw him eating breakfast at my hotel this morning. And so they had, they had already sent agents over there because they have agents everywhere. They had already sent agents over and the agents were like, oh, well, you know, we'll stop and get a bite to eat before we really start looking for this guy. And they're actually literally almost like back to back with Lou Perlman. Lou Perlman's sitting at the bar eating and they're at a table. And so the picture that the guy sent them that said, I think I saw Lou, the two agents are in the picture, like right next to him. And they literally have no idea. (laughs) It was a snake, you know? (laughs) Right. So it ended up working out well because then they were like, oh yeah, I saw that guy I'll we'll go get him but um fleshy bastard yeah so he ended up pleading guilty to I mean like a laundry list of charges he had fraud out the ass basically <laughs> God, he played guilty to fraud out the ass but then he's like that wasn't me <laughs> yeah exactly yeah he pled guilty 
and the, and he even pled guilty to bankruptcy fraud while he was on the run. So now he's like, he's still conning even while he's on the run. He's obviously never going to stop. So Judge Sharp sentenced Lou Perlman to 25 years in prison. And he told him that if he could pay back, like for every million dollars that he paid back to his investment he would take victims, off he would take off a month. And so Lou was like, no problem. I'll get, I can get another boy band together. It's not a problem. I can just, <laughs> I can get another boy band together. I can make a shit ton of money. I just need a phone. I need a computer. I need yeah. access to all these things. Yeah, I need access to the internet. And the judge was like, fuck, no, you cannot do that. So he didn't end up paying anybody back. Um, and, and this whole time he's adamant that he was just being framed. He's innocent. You know, somebody is, is trying to make up lies about him and the real person's going to get caught one day and all this stuff. He's crazy. Yeah, playing like Shaggy, wasn't me. Yeah, exactly. So he ended up dying in 2016 in jail. And, you know, like we said, he could have been remembered as somebody who really made a difference in a lot of people's lives. And now he's just remembered as a career criminal and a con man. Yeah, exactly. And I felt so bad because Alan, at the end of it, he's like, he stole my life. Like... Yep. Yeah, he did. Like, he would tell people all these things that he did growing up and how he got into this or that. And Alan's like, those were my experiences. Yeah, he just passed them off as his own. But obviously, and from what we've talked about already, Lou Perlman, you can't, you could believe um, 1% of whatever came out of his mouth. And you just never know which 1% it is. So this one wasn't you know, a murder story, but it's definitely a crime story. And, and it involves Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, and we are always into that. Absolutely. So, um, and for him to just be so evil, like knowing, knowingly taking what he did from these people, mm-hmm. you know, he and knew the sense full of well. entitlement from him, you know, especially like him saying what he said about the boy bands and being like, well, you know, I deserve this because I made you guys like, I yeah, don't know, these I don't boys see... need to think about where they came from. Yeah. I don't understand that mentality and how you can sleep at night acting like that. But yeah, I mean like a basketball coach or whatever, Michael Jordan's basketball coach wasn't like, well, you don't get any money. I get all your money because if I hadn't coached you, yeah, I made you who you are. Yeah. It's just crazy. It is insane. To even think about that. So that's it. Yep. Boy Band Con. Watch it on YouTube Premium. It's so good. And you get to see a whole, whole, whole lot of Lance Bass, which is, we all know that's what you're looking for. So. Right. It is a little long. It is a little long. I thought it was a little long, but overall, I thought it was really well done. So check it out. Get in on the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at Killer Queens Podcast and join our Facebook discussion group at Killer Queens Podcast where we discuss cases covered on the show and all things 90s. If you want to submit a case to be covered on the show, visit www.killerqueenspodcast.com slash case submission and complete the form. If we cover the case, we'll even give you a shout out on the show. Lilas! Lilas.